Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Hey there, this is Andy. Before today's show, I have a quick question for you. Are you currently using Google Paid Ads to grow your e-commerce business? You know, those Google Shopping ads, Google Search ads, or even Google Remarketing ads? Well, if you are, then you will be interested in an all-new video training that I filmed that details the number one strategy for growing your e-commerce business using Google Paid Ads. What's this number one strategy, you ask? Well, you'll have to check out the video, but I can tell you the strategy works and the video is absolutely free for my listeners. Type in www.makeeachclickcount.com forward slash video and check out the recent video that I filmed that details the number one way I use to grow my private clients' e-commerce businesses using paid Google ads. Again, the URL is www.makeeachclickcount.com forward slash video, and it's absolutely free to watch. Now, on to today's show. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spleckel, and today we are happy to welcome our next guest to discuss the topic of thinking of someday selling your business, then you better have an exit plan. He is the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal. It's an online market Marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. GreenPal, which has been called the Uber for Lawn Care by Entrepreneur Magazine, has over 100,000 active users, completing thousands of transactions per day. Now, before GreenPal, he founded Peachtree Incorporated, one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, growing it to over 10 million a year in annual revenue before it was acquired by Lusa Holdings in 2013. A big welcome to our guest, Brian Clayton. Hi, Brian. Andy, thanks for having me on. Great to be here. Well, thank you for joining us. Now, before we dive into today's topic, let's first hear your backstory and a little bit that what ultimately led you to do what you are doing now. Yeah, so currently I am CEO and co-founder of, like you said, Green Pal, the Uber of lawn mowing. Been at this business for eight years, uh, several hundred thousand people using the app to get their lawn cut and doing around $20 million a year in revenue through the through the marketplace. And uh, so we're kind of an eight-year overnight success. And before Green Pal, I actually had a landscaping company, which was I started cutting grass in high school as a way to make extra cash. And just little by little stuck with this little lawn mowing business all through high school and all through college. And when I graduated college, I had to make a decision. Was I going to take a pay cut and go into the job market or stick with this <laughs> lawn mowing business I had? Didn't really want to be a lawn guy, but I uh, made a plan and just worked hard and got lucky and over a 15 year period of time built that uh, lawn mowing business into one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee where I live. 
and got it over 150 employees, over $10 million a year in revenue. And in 2013, I was able to get the business sold to one of the largest landscaping companies in the United States. And after that, I took some time off, kind of retired, actually. I, I didn't have to work anymore, which was nice, and got bored. And I thought, okay, well, I need to start the next business. And what's that going to be? And the idea for GreenPal was kind of solving my own problem. I, I knew how hard it was for, for lawn care services to grow their business and to get connected with good customers. And I saw how hard it was for homeowners to hire a reliable lawn care service. And so I thought, okay, an app needs to make all of this easier and, and more streamlined. And, and so that was the idea for GreenPal and recruited two co-founders and went to work and we haven't looked back since. So 15 years on your, on your first company. So that's a, another overnight success. Mm. Yeah. And the first, you know, in both businesses, the first five years were really hard, really difficult getting those companies going, really difficult um, making the transition from like doing all the work myself to trying to get people on the, on the team with me. And, and for the first, you know, six, seven years of the first company, I was mowing grass. I was executing the service uh, and trying to grow it off of its own revenues. So both were tough, but, uh, you know, you kind of take, take business like a video game almost. You break it down into levels and you just focus on one level at a time and try to get through that level and, and don't even worry about anything else. That's something that's made sense to me looking back on 20 years of business through the rearview mirror is just like really just breaking it down to one manageable level at a time and, and get through that level and then get to the next level. You know, I mean, that's that's a great point. And you know, it's no secret, most of my listeners are in e-commerce. And so to them, they might be wondering, what does your business have to do with them? But in fact, you started a business, you bootstrapped it, it was a service, and you sold it. And that's the dream of, of many starting their business in e-commerce or not. And it's really what I personally would like to, to learn more about. So you started this first business just mowing grass in high school? That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I didn't ever have any real big plans to grow it like I did until after I graduated college. And then I made a real business plan. I made a real uh, plan on how I was going to differentiate the business from competitors in the marketplace, how I was going to grow it. You know, and actually, uh, this was mid the mid 2000s. E-commerce was kind of part of that. I was I was executing better on a local search engine optimization strategy than my competitors were. And so that was one way I was able to grow the business and really had a better online presence than a lot of the competitors in, in my little local market had. So that was one thing I was able to do to kind of differentiate my, my business from others. And, uh, and yeah, growing that thing little by little from just me and a push mower to me and a helper, me and three employees, five, 10 employees, 20, 30, 40, 50, eventually over 150 people, just little by little day out, growing the business debt-free was a big help. Um, and ultimately, uh, so it kind of helped me get the business sold and, uh, and taking like the long game and just doing the right thing for our customers on a consistent basis is what enabled me to build a, an eight-figure business and get it sold. And what was the biggest problem that you were solving for your customers? So what, what was making you unique versus your competitors out there when you grew to the, the 150 yeah. So, uh, you know, whether it be my, my traditional landscaping company back then uh, or, or my current company now, GreenPal, you know, we were in the business of selling time. 
Uh, that's really what we what we sell. You know, it, we offer a convenience, we offer a service, and at the end of the day, we're selling time back to people. And and so that was one thing that we learned early on was to not think about ourselves as a grass cutting service, but to think of ourselves as 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 a, something that that uh, looking at it the way that that our customers did. So, um, you know, that helps you figure out how to differentiate yourself yourself in the marketplace and not compete on price. If you can think of ways to save your customers time, and that could mean like uh, just being consistent, showing up uh, on the days that they expect you to, and doing a good job, and making it to where you you offer them proactive customer service, so they don't have to waste time calling you and 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 telling you where you suck, or 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 figuring out ways to like align what it is that you do that is aligned with what it is they're trying to do and so always like looking for different ways to market the service uh not in a straightforward fashion but one that aligns to what your your customers or your users are looking for is is how i approach building that first company and how we approach building the second company green pal yeah that's golden that's golden you weren't selling grass cutting you were you were selling time and and so often people confused with what they are selling Right. With what they are really selling. That, that's a fantastic point. Now, how did you, you mentioned some SEO, but how were you advertising Peachtree that, that allowed you to grow to, to such a large number? Yes. You know, so, uh, you know, in the early days, it was very much hand-to-hand combat. It was flyers. It was, it was word of mouth, but that only got me so far. That only got me to like, you know, 300 K 500 K in revenue. And I really had to figure out a way to, to create a sales process that, that worked. And that took a long time. Um, you know, for me, I was doing a lot of the sales myself. And I think every founder, if you're, if you're doing like a direct sales approach to growing your business, you kind of need to run that yourself for a while. So you understand how to how it works and how you're going to build out a sales team around you and so for me you know like it was me dialing for dollars i would cold call you know other businesses in our marketplace in our market and that around nashville tennessee you know pitching them on the idea of us doing their their landscaping maintenance for them and and it was just through trial and error over a long period of time i began to understand okay this is how we can differentiate the business from competitors that we have and this is how we can outsell them and not necessarily have to compete on price and it was only then that I learned how to do it. Then I was then able to build out a sales team around me. And I began to understand that we had to be good at consistently making the landscaping beautiful for our customers, but we had to be really good at sales too. And if we weren't good at sales, then, then it didn't really matter. And we had to be a sales organization. And, uh, and so that took, it took like five, six years for me to learn and did it the wrong way, every which way you could do it until I figured out what worked and, Ultimately, what I figured out was is that you can't uh, motivate unmotivated people. And so for the longest time, I was hiring, you know, people that had industry experience, but they just really weren't motivated or ambitious. And, and what, what I unlocked was, was I just need to look for the, the most motivated, ambitious salesperson I can find, and I can teach them the industry and teach them my mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. And that took a long time to learn. Now, so you've grown to $10 million. What made you decide it's time to sell or why to sell? What what did that look like? Yeah, so they kind of just hit me like a ton of bricks one day. Uh, I learned something about myself that that for me, you know, the 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 why of running a business kind of evolves as as time goes on, and 
And like in the early days of running that first company, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder and I really wanted to prove that I could build like the biggest company in my market and in my industry and, and the most profitable and the most successful and most visible and started achieving that little by little. And, and, and then, then I started to realize, okay, well, the business is really, really is about the people that work here and the team that I have, and they're more like family and like their livelihood and creating opportunities for them. And so that kind of evolved and took on a greater meaning. And then as that kind of progressed, then I started to realize, okay, yeah, not only that, but the business is really about, about my journey and my, you know, my, my life story almost. And the, the business is the thing that's causing me to take on new challenges and learn things and, and do interesting things with my life. And I kind of had plateaued in, in, in that department. I had kind of plateaued in terms of where I was taking the business. And I, and I realized, man, I, I may have taken this thing as far as I can. And I think it's time to do something else with my life. Mm-hmm. And that just, from the moment that notion came into my brain uh, to the day I got the business sold was over two, was over two years. So it took a long time to, to get the business ready to sell, to, to get it groomed, to get it all tuned up and get it to where it could be acquired and then and then running the process and all the negotiations and all of the due diligence to, to, to getting it finally sold. It was a long process and a difficult one, but it was one I'm glad, glad that I did. Now let's talk about that. How, how did you sell it? I, I've never sold a $10 million in revenue business, but I assume you don't take a, an ad out in the classifieds. How, how does that work? Yeah. You know, like the, the, Acquisitions don't happen in the landscaping business often, and so it's not. It, it, there is somewhat, somewhat of a track record and somewhat of a of a path that's blazed, but it doesn't happen all the time. And so, I kind of had a hunch that that was the case, and so I knew that I wanted to work with a, a broker that knew the industry that had the Rolodex. I, I, I at least had the assumption that that was the right way to go. And I got lucky um, as far as that was concerned. I worked with a guy that basically his life's work was selling landscaping companies and he had done it for over 20 years hmm. and he, he had, you know, several deals. How, that how, he did had, you, how did you find him? I actually found him through a, uh, a conference that I went to every year that, uh, that he was kind of a known commodity in the industry. And, and you know, he only got that kind of mind share just by way of multiple decades in the industry, uh, brokering landscaping companies from one you know player to another. And so that was the first person I reached out to and really it was the only person I talked to, uh, to, to consider uh, hiring to, to, to be a broker for our business. And had I not done that, I probably uh, most certainly would not have gotten a deal done because he knew the players in the game and he knew uh, kind of how to, how to, how to groom our, our presentation and, and what certain, certain things need to be done on the inside of the business. Mm-hmm. And, and so he was kind of like my shepherd, uh, my Sherpa uh, that kind of guided me through and, and got us from where we were to where we needed to be. Now, don't want you to get into specifics, but did you get the amount of money that you thought you were going to get when you decided to, to sell the business? I actually got more than I thought I was going to get only because I had never really dreamed that a, business, a landscaping business was sellable. I just thought it was a lifestyle business and it was one that you 
you just you you would run and work your butt off on and make 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 a good profit and then you could do things with that profit but i never like in the 15 years of running it the notion of selling it never really hit me until the year 13 and Mm -hmm. and so i had pretty low expectations and so that was good and and i think that helps that can help any entrepreneur when they embark on the the exit process is to manage your expectations because it's it's really challenging to run the business day to day grow it keep it efficient keep it keep it tuned up while you're you're exploring selling it um it's it's really really challenging like running keeping like both of those things in your head at the same time and so for me, you know, my, my, my expectations were managed. So I ended up getting more than I thought I would for it, to be honest. Um, but that was only because I had done a pretty good job of managing my expectations. Now, if you could go back, is there anything regards to that sale that you would change? Yeah, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. If I could go, go back, I, you know, just the, 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 the fundamental principle of the universe of being proactive and not reactive. I wish I had, instead of reacting to... Uh, how I felt on a given day and deciding to sell the company, I wish I had been proactive and worked like a five-year process. If I had done that, I probably could have doubled or tripled my eventual outcome because the way you run a business uh, that, that you that you are working to sell is very, very different than the way you run a lifestyle business. And, and so when you're running like a, like a business that, that maybe you've ran for a generation or one that you have plans on like handing over to your kids, you run that business very different than one that you are grooming for sale. And, and so if I had made that switch uh, five years before I sold it and had ran the company in such, in such a fashion that it was more profitable on paper and not necessarily that you take short-sighted decisions, but you definitely don't make investments in the business for, for a decade down the road. Um, and, and had done that, I, I would have really had a much better outcome, but I don't really have any regrets because it worked out. Uh, you know, after I sold the business, I was able to retire and, and then it teed me up to do really, which is what my ultimate goal was, which was, was to start another company and, you know, eight years of running green pal, I have changed probably two or three times a complete into a completely different person. I think if you're doing business correctly, the business should cause you to evolve into a new person every three or four years uh, by way of skills that you're learning or better humility or just better wisdom, better knowledge. And that's really what my soul was kind of in search of. And so in the end, I got what I wanted. Uh, but if I could have done it all over again, I would have changed the execution a bit and, and had a better financial outcome. So let's talk. So you sold, you got a wad of cash and you took it. You're just, you cruised around Nashville. I, that's, that's where you're located out of. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I've, that's, I've lived here pretty much all my life and sold the company. And, and uh, I'll never forget the, the guy that bought the business his group was was really really successful. He had been in the landscaping business for a long time, and took a company public at one time. And so this dude was worth like a hundred million dollars. And um, when he when we got the deal done, it was after like months of fighting back and forth, and like lo- lots of uh, lots of due diligence that was contentious, and lots of retrading that was that went went down, and it was just a really difficult transaction to get done. Uh, we finally got it done. Wire transfers gone done, and now it's like I'm helping with the transition. 
this guy who's worth nine figures tells me, he says, okay, well, congratulations. You're now a multimillionaire. Mm -hmm. And let me give you a piece of advice. Um, it's a lot harder to hold on to a million dollars than it is to make a million dollars. And, uh, I thought, wow, that, that really makes sense. And it's almost scary. I was like, cause I've really worked my ass off, try to get to this point and I don't want to go backwards. And I certainly don't ever want to go mow another yard ever again in my life. And so I, I made the decision, like all of my proceeds from the business, I would lock down into like highly illiquid, very safe assets and investments. And that's what I did. And so I was kind of like the poorest, uh, millionaire you ever met. Like I, I, you know, didn't have a whole lot of cash. Everything was in, was in real estate and other, other investments. And so, and so when I started green pal, like it had to, like, we had to bootstrap it off of its own revenues and started it very, very humbly uh, because I didn't have all, I didn't like have access to all these, all this uh, cash to plow into it. And so it was a good thing I did that because his advice was, was right. I probably would have like lost it all in, in bad advice in bad investments or, or maybe, you know, plowed it all in the green pal and not, not deployed it well. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. And, and so I'm glad that I got that advice. It was good advice. So tell us about green pal. Yeah, green pal. So green pal is like the Uber for lawn mowing. So if you're a homeowner, rather than calling around, uh, trying to hassle somebody to come cut your grass, you can just download our app and you'll get hooked up with a good lawn mowing service in less than a minute. And we've been at this thing for eight years, started off really, really humbly. It was, it was a tough, cold start getting this business going. And luckily my naivete is what got me in the game to start green pal. Like I, I, I had the belief that, that, uh, th th that an app needed to exist to make this thing run smoother, but that's really all I knew. I didn't know how hard it was going to be to build a marketplace, to invent a new product from scratch, to execute on the technology all at the same time. And uh, I was confronted with that reality, like at the end of the first year, it was just like, we, we, we worked our butts off and we only had like literally 20, 20 or 30 customers. And we made total something like less than $10,000 in total revenue. Didn't pay ourselves anything. My co-founders are still working their day jobs, nights, their nights and weekends. And uh, we, we, you know, we would talk to every customer that, that would meet with us and they would always tell us the same advice. Like, you know, I hired somebody on the app, but they didn't show up on the day they were supposed mm. to, or maybe they showed up and they did a crappy job, or maybe I signed up and I didn't actually get any quotes. It's like, like the, 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 the workflow, the experience kept breaking down. And so people would always like express their frustration. But one thing we never heard was, I don't need this. We never heard that. And we never saw apathy we just saw frustration. And so we took that as like, okay, well, at least we now know that we're solving a problem that people will pay for. We're solving a problem that exists. We, we can see kind of a line of sight. If we take these numbers and double them like 10 times, we'll have an actual business. Let's just keep working our, our butts off until we get there. And that's what we did. We worked on ourselves. We learned how to build software. We worked on the business. We worked in the business. And uh, the fact that we were just relentless and unwilling to give up was the only reason why we got through the first three or four years, which were really, really tough. Now, I assume you hit on it a little bit there, but the service piece would be, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the, the technology aspect's difficult too, but the service piece where, how did you turn that around to get reliable service 
not sure lawn care professionals. I'm, I'm not sure yep. what you call the service piece, but how, how did you do that? How do you get people that would be reliable? That was one of the things that really was surprising to me because I had 15 years of experience in the industry and I just always saw how competitive it was. My competition was always at my throat in terms of like just doing good work and, and, and underpricing us. And, and like, I just took that assumption to green pal and I thought, okay, the service provider piece will be no problem. Like the, we'll give these guys and gals all the work that they want. They'll make money. They'll show up when they're supposed to, they'll do a great job because it's so easy. And they like, that was one of the most surprising things was no, actually none of that happened. <laughs> like, like nobody, like it was hard for to get them to try it. They, they wouldn't bid, even though it was free to bid. Uh, when they got hired, they like less than like 30% of the time would they actually show up. Hmm. And when I came to realize, I was like, holy crap, like we are literally just dealing with the same thing that the homeowners are dealing with. Like this is shift, the burden is shifted to us now. And so we had to figure out a way to deliver a consistent experience to homeowners um, all the while, these aren't our employees. These are not our contractors. These are not, they don't work for us. And so we don't have any like agency over them and we can't tell them what to do. And we just had to like little by little talk to our users as much as we could. And like at every moment, ask ourselves why five times, like why didn't the guy show up on the day he was supposed to? Well, because uh, he's not in that area on Thursday. Well, why did he bid on it? when he, when it was supposed to be on Thursday and he knew he wasn't in that area. Well, because um, it wasn't really prominently displayed on the screen that they wanted him on Thursday. Okay. Well, we got to fix that. And like you go through this, this, this like exercise thousands of times until you get the process better and better and better. And you are able to deliver a consistent experience uh, through technology that, that you have kind of homegrown off of trial and error over many, many years. That was the only way we were able to get it better and better. And it's, it's, it's like the year, the, the problems we were solving in 2013 when we started are the, is the exact challenges we're dealing with now in 2021. We are still trying to make the experience faster, quicker, smoother, more reliable, cheaper, more convenient, and more profitable for service providers. And constantly tuning and optimizing that and making it better and better is, is what we spend all of our energy working on. It's just now we have we have 24 employees, engineers working on this stuff full time. You know, it's a lot easier now because I got a good team. But back then it was it was just me and my co-founders hacking on this. And so the service, a customer pays you and then you pay the service provider? Yeah, so uh, we're a true marketplace. We take a small transaction fee for for every uh, service that goes through the platform. And the, we integrate with uh, Stripe, uh, which handles all of the backend financial uh, processes. And so when the homeowner pays our service provider, uh, a, a slice of the transaction goes to us. And that depends on how much uh, work the vendor is doing on the platform. And then on the supplier side, on the lawn care professional side, they can uh, pay for some premium tools if they like uh, to better run their business. And we make money that way too. What, what motivates you? What, what motivates you to create the first business? What's, what motivates you and keeps you so engaged in the second one? I think if you're doing business right, I think that purpose will evolve over time. And, and so like, the, you know, the why, uh, the reason why you're doing what you're doing. And so in my first business, you know, rewind 20 something years ago, it, like I mentioned, it was very much a chip on my shoulder. I just really wanted to prove that I could do it. And then that purpose kind of evolved to, well, now, you know, 
I'm responsible for dozens and dozens of people's livelihoods and I better not screw this up because I got to make sure that, 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 that they can get a paycheck. And then, and then I started to realize, okay, well now this, this business is like my rocket ship for, for me and life and living an interesting life. And, and uh, that is kind of where I'm at now. It's, it's that business is the thing that causes me to level up, causes me to be uh, smarter, sharper, wiser, more humble. One of the most humbling things you can do is run a business uh, because the market, the marketplace is a relentless feedback machine. It'll always tell you where you suck. And, uh, and so that for me is like why I love business, why I'm still in the game. And, and like, uh, I think like if I took inventory of my, my life's journey, like the business that I'm working on is always going to be the thing that lends like an interesting storyline to my life. And that's why I do what I do. That's, that's, that's why I'm, you know, I'll always be working on my best idea and I'll probably be working on this business for another decade or more. Are there any books or business mentors that has inspired that attitude or helped you on your journey? Yes. You know, I, I think the concept of work-life balance, um, particularly when you're starting a new business is, is one that can, I think be ill-advised. I think if you're doing business right, particularly in the early days, yeah, you're working 40 or 50 hours a week or maybe more, but then, but then another 30, 40 hours a week, you need to spend on learning because you don't know a fraction of the things you need to know to execute. At least I never, at least I never did. And so I'm always, I hate reading, but I'm always forcing myself to do it. I'm always uh, consuming as much as, uh, as I can on, on YouTube and on podcasts. And that's kind of how I've been able to kind of go to make the transition from a blue collar entrepreneur, you know, building a, a landscaping business to a hundred some odd employees and selling it to then transitioning to a full on tech entrepreneur. And the only way I was able to do that is, is through blogs, podcasts, and, and YouTube university. And so for me, um, I probably have, 15 or 20 mentors who've never, I've never met, they've never met me, but they're, they're successful entrepreneurs that, that are constantly writing blogs, constantly doing interviews, giving talks at conferences, doing uh, uh, workshops on YouTube or what have you that I have consumed passively over the last decade. And that's, what's taught me what I know. And the, the advice I like give to a lot of new entrepreneurs is like, yeah, you need a mentor, but but uh, one of my favorite quotes from Mark Cuban is never take advice from somebody who is not doing or hasn't already done what it is you're trying to do. And so a lot of times, you know, we rush out to go get a mentor and and the reality is they don't have any context for what it is we're trying to do. And so, okay, well, then you need a different mentor. Well, the, pro the reality is that successful entrepreneur probably doesn't have time for you. Um, but at least you can consume the interviews they're giving on, on podcasts. At least you can like go watch the keynote talk they gave at some conference that you didn't have the money to, to go to. And maybe it happened last year or two years ago, but guess what? It's on YouTube. And I think you can learn so much more doing that than you can just hitting up people on LinkedIn, asking them to pick their brain. Um, I think you're better off just going straight to the top, get learn from the smartest people asynchronously, and let that be your mentor. And, that, and that's what's worked for me. Let me ask you, how do you plan to continue to grow Green Palin? How big, how big do you think it can be? 
you know, we're doing 20 to $30 million a year in revenue now. And so it's easy to look back and say, wow, look how far we've come. We ended our first year with like 20 grand and now we've, we've grown it so far, but it, it just never does feel that way. You always feel like it's day one when you're running a business like this, you always are confronted with how much further you have to go. Like the, the landscaping business is a $99 billion industry and the, the top, 10 players in the industry constitute less than $2 billion of that. So it's super, super fragmented. And like, it's our job to help organize that and make that run smoother. And so we have so much further to go in terms of that mission, in terms of that goal. And so for me, like, you know, the, the, the challenges that you face on a, on a, on a daily basis and on, you know, year by year, they, 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 they evolve and they get to be different. And our biggest challenge now is, is slowly getting the the green pound name in the default list of options in which you do certain things and so you know you instacart for your groceries uber lyft for a ride to the airport airbnb for for booking a, a night stay um doordash you know if you want some thai food in 20 minutes so until like green pal is is in the in the lexicon of the english language in that context we're not done and so we got a long long way to go to get the name there the individual lawn care professional, the mom and pop shop, they must must not like you very much. Are you uh, are you ever afraid of some retribution? The individual lawn care service that that is like an owner operator loves us. We are like a uh, we are we are like a, like a gift from heaven for them because we we offer them an entire business in a box. So that's really why we do what we do. Uh, we are built to enable anybody that wants to work hard in the landscaping business uh, an opportunity to, to make material income and go from like five customers to 100 customers in a year. And so they get everything handled for them in terms of new customers um, getting paid within 24 hours. They don't have to run on a accounts receivable thing anymore they don't have to do bookkeeping their routes optimized for them like all of these things happen for them smoothly and they can just literally just just show up when they're supposed to show up and do a good job and they and they can make material income so your smaller service providers like solopreneurs maybe one helper love us who hates us is your big landscaping companies like like what i used to have and Mm -hmm. the reason is is because if you're running a big landscaping company um, you're trying to figure out ways to organize labor to execute these services, and you're trying to figure out how you can make a margin off what you're paying them and what you're able to charge your clientele. And the industry is super competitive. And so the problem is, is that these crew foremen that work for these big landscaping companies might make fifteen or twenty dollars an hour, but guess what? They can download GreenPal and make fifty-five dollars an hour. And so that's who hates us because it's hard for these, these big companies to keep, keep those types of uh, laborers when they can go and make double the money, basically working half the time, but working for themselves on an app like ours. So let me ask you, I can, I go on there, I can find somebody, somebody new to, to cut my grass. I Absolutely. That's, that's, that's what it's built for. Find somebody to help pull some weeds. So the grass cutting is kind of like the gateway drug. It's the, it's the glue that holds everything together. So when you come to Green Pal, it does one thing. It gets you quotes for basic lawn mowing for a weekly or every week, every other week basis. And it, and it goes out and retrieves 
five quotes in less than a couple of minutes. And then you can read reviews on these service providers, figure out which one you'd like to work with based off their ratings and reviews. They come out, do a great job mowing the yard for you. Then if you like that service provider, you can book them for the rest of the season because you're going to need them every week or every two weeks. And after you have that relationship established with them, then all of these complimentary services like seeding, mulch, weed removal, shrub pruning, gutter cleaning, snow removal in certain markets. And then you're able to do all of these other things with that service provider or, or a different one if it didn't work out. And so we've purposely, like when you're self-funded and you're bootstrapping the business off of its own revenues, you have to be really, really, really clear about your use case. And you have to be like the best in the world at one thing. And so we have found that if we focus on on solving the problem of my grass is four feet tall and nobody will call me back and delivering you a good service provider to come out and take care of that for you. Then like after we've conveyed that like value proposition in less than five seconds, because you don't know what GreenPal is, but you have that problem. Uh, we solve that problem for you. And then you can do all these other things. That's how, that's what, what creates a win-win. If we try, we try to put all of those services on the front end, on the front door, and kind of if it does everything, it does nothing. And so we, we've learned the hard way that you have to convey what you're the best in the world at in less than three seconds uh, when somebody downloads your app or comes to your website or else you're going to lose them. And so when somebody comes to your, your website or mobile app, you need to be able to add, answer in three seconds, where am I, why am I here, and why does it matter? And, and that's one, been one of the keys to our success is just being able to be dead simple. Like if you have tall grass, boy, do I have a product for you. That is great. That is great. You have shared so much and I thank you for your time. This has been fantastic. Thank that, you, Andy. I appreciate you having me on. Yep. Well, that is it for today. Remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave an honest review. And if you are looking for more information regarding GreenPal, you can find it online at www.yourgreenpal.com. And I will put the link into the show notes. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business using Google paid ads, request to join the Make Each Click Count Facebook group. I've been releasing some all new free live trainings and more will be happening soon. Meantime, remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. And I will talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing.